I love technology. I love the fact that we can communicate and work virtually. However, there's no question that these tools and technology have created a sense of isolation for a lot of people in companies, a lot of marketers with their customers. In this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, we're going to talk with Dan Shawbell, and we're going to visit his book called Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation. Check it out. Stuff like payroll and benefits are hard. That's why I switched to Gusto. And to help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. You sign up for their payroll service today, you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash tape. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Dan Schobel. He is a New York Times bestselling author, partner and research director at Future Workplace and the founder of both Millennial Branding and WorkplaceTrends.com. He's also the author of Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation. So welcome back, Dan. So happy to be here. I was thinking this morning, I'm like, I'm going to talk to John. And when did I first connect to him? I mean, it's got to be 2006, 2007, when there was the Ad Age 150. You remember that? Yeah, I kind of do. Yeah. And when it went up, I'm like, huh, well, I aspire to be on that list. And I think strategically, it's probably good to know everyone on there because they all love marketing. And I'm I'm a marketer, even though I'm a marketer in HR now is always uh, my skill set. And, you know, I always looked up to you. You always provided incredible content consistently. You were passionate. You had a, a great model. I just really liked it. And uh, I think you do a great job. Well, thank you very much. And I, you know, I guess we'll pass out compliments here because just in watching what you've done over the last decade, I mean, you, a lot of people jumped on this personal branding thing and all, you know, years ago. And I mean, you, you have done as good a job of building a personal brand as really anyone online. And you've, you know, mainly it's because you've been so consistent. Thank you. I appreciate it. So let's get into the book. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of reading this uh, because I want to get it right, but I want to let you unpack this. Um, Back to Human reveals why electronic and virtual communication through vital, though vital and useful, actually contributes to a stronger sense of isolation at work than ever before. And I, I'm guessing that's the main premise of the book. So unpack that for me. Absolutely. So technology has created the illusion that we're so connected, but in reality, we feel very disconnected, isolated, lonely, less committed to our teams and organizations over the overuse and misuse of technology. It's not like technology is a terrible thing. It's really about how you use it. And so I interviewed 100 young leaders from 100 of the best companies in the world. So Johnson & Johnson and GE and Uber and Instagram. And everyone described technology as being a double-edged sword. You know, it's, it's done some great things, but at the same time, it's made us think we have a ton of friends, Facebook friends, and it's made and it's made us think that we are being incredibly collaborative and accomplishing great work. When the reality is, we might get some stuff done, but the relationships we have with our coworkers are not as strong, and it's much easier to leave a team of acquaintances that you sometimes email and work with than a team that feels like a family. Yeah, and it's it's funny because technology has obviously enabled us to work differently. Um, I you know I have a client in London, I have a client in Toronto. I've never sat face to face with either of them. I have employees 
that are in seven different states and rarely do we ever see each other. So it's, it's enabled us to work in different ways, but there's no question there, there's a whole new set of practices, I think, to try to kind of regain some of that humanness as you talk about in the book, aren't there? Yeah. And it's interesting because I think especially today when people are working so, so hard in America, the average work week is 47 hours a week. And not having your phone is the new vacation. We're always kind of on the hook. We're always kind of on duty. We feel guilty if we're not responding to a business email on vacation or after work hours, quote unquote, right? Uh, because of the remote work revolution and, and the ability to do work using technology and connect wherever and whenever you want to, the downside is that we get burned out. We have weaker connect connections. We feel stress and anxiety, so it can be bad for our health. And the most fa- the most fascinating finding, I, I worked with Virgin Pulse, my company, Future Workplace, and Virgin Pulse partnered on a study of over 2,000 managers and employees in 10 countries. And it revealed something really fascinating. If you work remote, you're much less likely to want to say you want a long-term career at your company. So working remote has all these positive things that people talk about having the freedom and flexibility to do work when, where, and how you want. And it lowers commuting costs, of course. But the downside never gets talked about, and that's isolation, which creates loneliness, and there, and then unhappiness. It's all connected. And so consciously, as someone who's worked from home for almost eight years, I'm always thinking about, okay, how can I break up my day so I'm meeting people, whether it's for business or personal? And it's like when we look at our calendars, our calendars are created for business, right? And we always say things like, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. We let the technology try to do the work for us. So if we're going to let the technology do the work for us, it should also have aspects of our personal life on our calendar. That's that's part of what I'm saying when it comes to like work-life integration and, and being conscious about how you're if you're working so many hours and you're kind of always working, how do you break up the day so you're fully maximizing your time and you're fulfilled personally and professionally? And the first chapter is called Focus on Fulfillment. You need to become fulfilled before you can sit down with all of your team members and help them accomplish their goals and service their needs. And the things that remain consistent, as you know, you're born, you pay taxes, you die. That's like the big joke, right? Probably through multiple generations. Well, what about we only have 24 hours in a day? And then, and then our, our uh, needs in terms of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs remain the same regardless of how much technology we have. We need you know, food and shelter and then to be loved and have friendships. Otherwise, we'll never be self-actualized. We'll never be able to reach our full potential and be the most productive worker imaginable for our, imaginable for our company. And you know what's interesting? I mean, there's so many companies today that have um, distributed workforce. And it, you know, I find myself falling into this habit. You know, I have our check-in meetings and and it's just like, get to it, you know, work, work. We, you know, we, it's like, we never have that, what we used to call around the water cooler time where it's like, Hey, how was your weekend? You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, we've got this call, it's scheduled, it's for a purpose, it's like a meeting. So we never have that time to, in some ways, get to know each other. One of my favorite chapters in the book is this idea of shared learning, um, where you, you know, you maybe you, you, I think you have to carve out these things, don't you? It, you know what's amazing? So many people who have said they've liked that chapter. And the reality is the reason why I think that chapter is so in the now is because true power 
and you've done that. I mean, we grew up in the world of blogging, so we know this very well, is true power and influence in our society is not the people who hold on to the information. It's those who distribute it freely. And I think that's a big shift from maybe 10, 20 years ago versus today. And we need to share what we know with the people we work with and care about so all of us can keep up with the speed of business and adapt to changes that are inevitably happening, whether we like it or not. The average relevancy of a learned skill is only five years. So we have to keep on moving. Like the big skills now are artificial intelligence, machine learning, data scientists. Like you got to keep going. You got to keep up with what's what's changing. And if you don't, um, the tasks you did five and 10 years ago are just not going to be as relevant. You're going to get paid less for them and you're going to struggle. And in order to know this information, in order to know the trends that are going on in your industry, um, n- learn the new skills, see the latest latest research study, we have to count on each other because we're finding more and more information through our network. I mean, that's the brilliance of Facebook, right? It's like, I don't have to go figure out what's going on in the news. It's going to come to me based on who I follow and friend. Yeah, and I think you could take that a step further. I know, you know, in our organization, what we try to do is is almost task people with saying, hey, go find out about that and come back and teach us all. Um, and and I, I think what it does is it has a dual effect of, as you said, you know, we get to learn some more. But, but you know, as you know, nothing nothing makes you learn something better than if you know you're going to have to teach it to somebody. Well, actually, now that you bring that up, I, I did a whole presentation on this. And this Google has a G2G program where employees teach other employees what they know. And it's all volunteer basis. But I think people naturally want to be teachers. You know, they might not want to be part of the school system, but they want to share what they know with others because it helps them learn and master it more. And it's it's good for your career, right? You become an expert, you're sought after, you build a network. There's a lot of, I mean, it's it's really the crux of personal branding, what I did early in my career, right? It's, you know, become the best at what you do for a specific audience or become really good at multiple things when combined give you a competitive advantage and then just give freely. I mean, between us, how many... How many pieces of content you think you and I have generated in 10, 20, 10 or 15 years? Like thousands, right? Well, I've right? got, got 4,000 blog posts. Yeah. And, and personalbrandingblog.com, I think we hit like 5,700. And then if you, if you add LinkedIn, Facebook, all the other networks, writing articles, like we have books, like it's a lot. Wouldn't it be great if in your business, all you had to do was the stuff you love, the reason you started the business and not all that administrative stuff like payroll and benefits. That stuff's hard, especially when you're a small business. Now, I've been delegating my payroll for years to one of those big corporate companies. And I always felt like a little tiny fish, but now there is a much better way. I've switched over to Gusto and it is making payroll and benefits and HR easy for the modern small business. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. If you sign up today, you'll get three months free once you're on your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com forward slash tape. So another thing I like about your book um, is that you put a lot of exercises in there so people can try what they kind of uh, have read about. Uh, and you've even created a, um, a, a test or an, an assessment, the work 
Connectivity Index. So tell us about that. Yeah, you know, I always wanted to do an assessment for my book. I saw what Sally Hogshead did with Fascinate and what, uh, you know, Gallup did and Tom Rath with Strength Finder. And I was very inspired by that. I'm like, huh, I, I'd love to do it someday. And on this book, I had the idea, well, if I'm, ta- I'm if I'm studying work connectivity, what about, you know, having an assessment to tell people how strong of connectivity they have within their organizations, right? So you get low connectivity score versus high connectivity score, and, and people are all in the middle of that. And so I reached out to seven professors, and it was it was like first come, first serve, right? The first one who was really excited about working with me got it. So it was Kevin Rockman, a professor at uh, George Mason University, helped me create the assessment. It's on workconnectivityindex.com. And you know, when you take it, you'll get a score. And of course, if you have a low score, it means that you know, you're not getting enough face time and you're not building the type of relationships that are required to be happy and fulfilled and successful in today's working world. You've also created a LinkedIn learning course, which I think is awesome. I've done about, I think I'm up to about seven courses with them. They're great people to work with. Wow. You win. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what it is, is you go out there and they go, oh, this guy's easy to work with and he yeah. gets done fast. Let's give him especially other Especially when, especially like, I, I know you, this is probably for you, true to you as well, as I, I finished, I think, like three hours ahead of time and they yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. Because the beach is right there. <laughs> exactly. I love going to Santa Barbara, but they, they, they told me they had one person come in. It took them four days to do a course. Wow. I was like, wow, I would shoot myself. Um, <laughs> so... One of the things that um, that I know that, that you are so good at, and I think a lot of people neglect this today in the online world, is you have done a great job at attracting mainstream media. Uh, obviously, you've picked some hot topics, and that's you know one of the ways to get attention. But uh, what I, I'm, I'm I'll ask this question really for business owners, but you know other authors out there. What's been your secret to get so much uh, pub? You get as much as anybody in the mainstream, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I've generated, I mean, it's definitely thousands of media impressions at this point, or media hits, I would say. And you know what? It's it's a cross between right topic, right time, trying to be original, uh, staying in my lane. Anytime I venture out of my lane, things don't work out well. So like I've done a, a whole research campaign on politics that failed. You know, I, anything that's outside of my domain typically doesn't do well because you are, you have to be seen as the expert in what you're publishing or you publish what you want to be an expert in. And if you aren't doing that, you're not going to be seen as a credible source no matter what you're putting out there. So focus on your strengths, stay in your lane, double down. And then think of something original. Like for me, I, you know, I've, done, I've led 45 research studies surveying about 90,000 90, people in 20 countries in six years. So I've been like all in with research because it allows me to create something new, find something and share and disseminate uh, and distribute those findings through books and speeches and media and various, various forms. So I think you need a a good network. So you got to, you know, I have an advantage being in New York because the media is here. Clearly that that has helped. I won't deny that. Second, I think you need to figure out what makes you unique, right? Like what topics do you think that you have something to say about, right? If you don't have nothing to say and someone interviews you, that interview is not going to go well and you won't be invited back. The other thing is start small. You know, back in the day, I was doing, you know, local TV, radio, some of the smaller outlets, which prepared me for the bigger outlets. So if my first interview was on the Today Show, I would have bombed it 
is I didn't have the experience. So I bombed like a, you know, a local ABC affiliate. I didn't bomb it. I just didn't perform at my best. But that was good because it was a learning experience. And now and then I knew that even if they give me the questions that they might not ask the questions, they might do a trick question. So it's being prepared for everything. Um, and then I think the I think it's just being easy to work with, like what you're saying. It's like being very responsive for me. I'm, I'm very responsive. I get a media inquiry. Boom. I just go for it. Um, back then, I'll tell you, phase one in my career with personal branding, it was my only goal was to own the search results for personal branding in Google. That was the only strategy I had. But of course, that connects to doing a lot of other things right. Um, and that got me almost all the my all my original media that allowed me to build my platform. Uh, and then I think phase two has been more on the research. So it's like it's harder to get press now. So I need to create news in, instead of hoping that I can fit into the news that's currently happening. And the media loves statistics. I mean, let's, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's something that could be simplified into you know one soundbite, and uh, unfortunately, that uh, that sometimes is what it takes. Yeah, and I think phase three, the way I'm seeing it now, is really building your own platform. Like, really, I am. I just started my own podcast it's called Five Questions with Dan Chabell really active on Instagram, you know, two posts a day, seven days a week. It's, I'm just, Instagram is my new blog. It's exactly what I did. How I'm operating Instagram is exactly what I did in the, in the early blog days. It's, I put back then I posted twice a day and these are long, it was longer form with blogging. And I commented on every Instagram or blog profile or blog website, sorry, that mentioned personal branding. Today it's, I've chose maybe six or seven profiles and I'm always commenting and between commenting and posting every day, I've gone from four to 26,000 followers organically in a little less than four months. That's it. That's all I've done. Right. And of course, like, you know, people have met, have read the book. So I get some followers just based on reputation, but most of it's earned. And, and it's just a lot of work. And people don't want to hear that it takes time. So I think that phase three is. You really got to double down on your own platform because the probability of getting seen in traditional media is declining significantly. I used to do campaign. My first campaign, John, was in 2012, literally went viral. I analyzed 4 million millennial Facebook profiles. You know, Today Show, CNN, it was everywhere. Seven, 70 national media outlets. So people saw it. Now it's like maybe you get 10 at most. So, and, and I've been doing this for six years consistently. I've done in one year, I did nine studies and I'm telling you now, if you do something like that, it's, it's much harder to break through books. It's harder to break through. So that tells me that to, to me is feedback that, okay, I need to double down on social media and building my own platform and leveraging everything I've done to do that because the future could be grim. I think a lot more of these media companies are going to go under and new media is going to be rising. So I think you got to shift strategies as this is happening. And, and that's the call I made is I'm, I'm moving my efforts. So you, this is a perfect segue to the last question I want to talk about. Um, we've been talking about social media here for a minute. And there's a lot of people that, that would claim social media has actually made us less human. <laughs> um, probably one of the biggest culprits of making us less human. So how do you, in, in the vein of how great leaders create connection in an age of isolation, how do you do that with the realization that social media is an important channel? Great question. The motto for the book is to let technology be a bridge to human connection and not a barrier. 
use the technology to schedule a podcast interview. But when you're in the interview, hopefully it's audio or maybe video. And so you're getting to know the person. Use it to uh, you know, connect with others to get them to go to a meeting or a networking event or an office birthday party. And by the way, found through the book that the number one thing that leaders should do is create more social events and company outings because that is what uh, employees really are looking for right now is to build relationships in that respect. And, and it's lacking. Only 20% of companies have um, those type of social events. And that's that's kind of broken. So I think let technology lead you to the human interactions instead of just relying it on it as a crutch, thinking that technology is going to do all the work for you. Um, use it in order to make those initial connections. And what you've been good to You've been so good at this too. Is early in the day, early in, in the early days, you would connect with so many bloggers, but then there would be blogger meetups, and you'd meet them in person. And you know, so for me as an introvert, it's much easier to reach out via email or or text, and then actually meet in person. I feel more comfortable because I feel like I already know you. So I think it's you when and where when not to use technology is what we have to think about. Awesome. Speaking with New York Times bestselling author Dan Chabelle, we're talking about Back to Human, how great leaders create connection in the age of isolation. We're going to have links, of course, we always do to everything we talked about, like the assessment and, and the book itself, of course, and even the LinkedIn course. But Dan, tell people where they can reach out and connect with you. Absolutely. You can go to danshawbell.com. That's S-C-H-A-W-B-E-L.com. And you go to Amazon or your local book retailer and pick up Back to Human and then listen to the podcast, Five Questions with Dan Shawbell. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. It's always great to catch up with you. Hopefully uh, we'll run into you out there on the road. You got it, my friend.